Hello. Hey Hartley, how are you going? Hi, have you got me okay? Yes, I think so. You're looking good and I can hear you sounding good. Great. It's A Plus Weekly, my news roundup of what's caught my eye this week in the tech world, focusing on the Apple ecosystem, out first on YouTube as a video podcast, and then on the usual podcast platforms. The show this week is a little different. I'm talking with Hartley Charlton in the UK, senior editor at Mac Rumors and co-host of the Mac Rumors Show podcast. In our conversation, we talk about what Apple's strategy may be with the mixed reality AR VR headset, how far we may be away from a hardware subscription model from Apple, what Hartley thinks is coming up in WWDC in June, whether M3 processors will appear anytime soon, and the possibility of a touchscreen MacBook ever. Let's jump over to the interview. Hey, listen, Hartley, thanks for agreeing to come on. It's a real privilege to have you uh, on the show. Um, I'm a pretty new podcast, so I'm always interested in just checking out what's going on in the world of Mac and Apple and uh, with yourself as senior editor at MacRumors.com and also the co-host of the Mac Rumors Show podcast. It's um, lovely to have you here. No, thank you. I'm happy to be with you. Now, listen, I've been thinking and talking about the um, this headset, this AR VR headset, which is, you know, looking like it's going to be coming out in WD, WWDC at the beginning of June, which will be almost a month away now. And I'm wondering what you've heard, um, like the rest of us, I guess, that it's probably going to be more like a goggles kind of like device with a, an external battery pack. And there's all kinds of work going on in developing apps for it, including Fitness Plus, where you're going to be able to see your trainers in uh, immaculate detail. Um what have you heard and what do you think Apple are doing? Well, I think uh, they're throwing absolutely everything at this in terms of their uh, developing capabilities and in terms of the resources that they have. Um, they, they are throwing billions of dollars at this project um, on, a, on a scale that we really haven't seen with any previous Apple device. They've been working on it longer than any Apple device prior to it launching. Um, and in terms of its actual capabilities, uh, it seems like they're really using the iPad as a basis for how this device will work in the sense that it's sort of a bit like uh, an iPhone, but uh, bigger and slightly more immersive, uh, but not quite as um, nuanced or technically involved as a Mac. So it seems to me that the sense in which it is based on iOS is that it is actually based on iPadOS, um, and that is how it delivers quite a sort of broad, broadly spanning experience um, to enable that extra level of immersion that is necessary in this category of device. It's a, that's an interesting parallel. Um, I, I bought the first iPhone. I went to LA, I, I queued up, and I, and I got it, uh, and I bought the uh, the subsequent ones too, all the way up to iPhone 4. Um, I passed on the first iPad. Um, I remember being in LA and picking it up and and kind of like, I thought it was nice, but I couldn't really see the point. And, you know, I'm a big Star Trek fan. You know, I'd be love to walk around with one of those tablets and, and stuff. But I wonder whether many people like me are kind of going to look at the first one and say, meh, 
what's the point of that? I think that will be the reaction. Um, I think that the other issue is that a lot of people have a very fixed idea in their mind of what using these sorts of devices will be like. And that is going to be a very hard perception to shift because with other devices like uh, the Apple Watch or indeed the iPad, you sort of knew what to expect going into it. And it's quite easy to demonstrate as well. But it's going to be very hard to actually demonstrate this device uh, without actually getting your hands on it. So I think that the other thing to consider is that this device will be more unfinished than some of the others um, upon launch as well. So although Apple won't say that, Apple will present it as though this really is a device for everyone. Realistically, it isn't. Realistically, this is actually quite an unusual Apple device in that it is really for enthusiasts um, and people with very specific professional workflows that can work in 3D space, things like um, design, architecture, those sorts of um, workflows. Um, but other than that, it will be people like you and I, perhaps, that have an enthusiast interest, but the average person, maybe not so much, at least in the first generation. But that's why the bigger picture here is um, XROS, which is the platform that the headset will run. And making that uh, iterate and mature over time as to be suitable for a whole host of devices and in the long term moving this into glasses and eventually i suppose apple hopes uh, to take the emphasis off the iphone and onto augmented reality yeah that, that's really interesting but i guess people with big wallets too as well as people who are like really interested because it's going to be costly the first generation and i think you know this idea of it kind of trickling down eventually to kind of like a consumer product maybe two or three generations down the line once they've built up that interest and built up the kind of utility where people see the point of how it is that they, you're going to use it i wonder how hard it is for apple um, how hard it's going to be for them to break out of the kind of metaverse sort of like memes and, and sort of like way of using it that we've seen. Because, you know, I've been distinctly unimpressed with how that's being kind of like presented. Um, and I wonder whether they might be a bit trapped by that to start off with and, and, and what they might do to kind of break people's perceptions as to how these are, these how goggle, these, these how, go, how goggles are going to work. I agree. I think that is one of the biggest issues that they face. Um, but the one thing that I would say is uh, to not underestimate Apple's ecosystem advantage. When you buy a MetaQuest headset, the integration with even something as simple as messages is going to be nowhere near as streamlined as it will be with Apple's headset. And of course, if it runs, as we believe it will, iPad apps, iPad apps in 2D space, um, which it's a little bit strange in, in uh, ultimately a 3D device, but that is opening up an ecosystem where you can get your favorite task manager, your favorite calendar app, um, and you actually can get work done in a limited way, possibly at first um, for a, a lot of workflows, um, but in the same sense in which you can get work done on the iPad. So they have more of um, an advantageous position, I would say, than Meta, but just because of that ecosystem and because of their experience with running these sorts of app stores and with other features like notifications and um, features that we've got used to using like spatial audio, when you see um, these sort of ecosystem advantages, connecting AirPods 
mm-hmm. the, these will make it a richer experience um, that will hook people in a little bit more easily, I think. Um, but again, it will it will take time. It's an interesting parallel, isn't it? Because I guess when Facebook and Meta came out with the metaverse, it was really thinking about, you know, well, how does that sit with a different software platform, Facebook, how people were using it? Whereas I think with the headset, I think people are thinking, how does this relate to another hardware offering, the iPhone or the iPad? So it's kind of not really the same. But as you say, they've got this kind of like software, common software platform underpinning it all. But yeah, I wonder how that's going to pan out. I mean, is this a replacement or is it an adjunct? Is it at a next to and with your iPhone or iPad? At first, it definitely will be um, an addition to, in much the same way, again, I come back to the iPad parallel, um, because as much as Apple likes to tell you that uh, the iPad is a fully-fledged um, and independent computer, realistically, most people have an iPad alongside a Mac or uh, certainly alongside an iPhone. Um, and so perhaps for as long as this headset exists in terms of uh, what would be in terms of form factor, a virtual reality headset, um, I can see it being an addition to other Apple devices. And Apple certainly wants you to continue buying its other devices alongside the $3,000 price point of this one. But long term, by the time we get into uh, glasses form factor, which possibly could be 2027, 2028, um, that is the, the real device because that is that is true augmented reality. Um, this device will only offer pass through and it's questionable how good that actually will be um, when your when your face is fully enclosed in yes. the headset. Um, and that is why it will need to really be with that second class of device uh, that we can perhaps see it starting to replace the iPhone a little bit more actively. Yeah. I wonder how far away we are from kind of hardware as a service bundles from Apple, you know, like who can afford to be replacing these things on even a two, three year cycle. But if what Apple ideally is envisaging is that we have iPhone, iPad, iMac, and then the glasses too, you know, how far away away from signing up to a year subscription to two or three of the above, and then having an automatic upgrade as part of that subscription service? I think we're very close to that. There were a lot of rumors last year about Apple actually offering that service, at least for the iPhone um, and potentially other devices like the iPad and the Mac. Uh, I'm not quite sure why we haven't seen that yet, but it was definitely something that was quite far developed last year. Um, Maybe this year will be the year, but it tends to be that when you hear so much about something in the rumor cycle over such a long period of time, it definitely is in the works. And I agree, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense for that to be the next offering. And if you were to roll that into an Apple One subscription as well, and you could perhaps choose um, in a modular way which uh, devices and which services you would like, and then you just get a a monthly price, that would be quite an attractive offering to a lot of people, um, especially in a world of constant upgrades and when it's harder and harder for apple to actually deliver upgrades on some of its other devices it's all very well thinking of the new platforms but other devices like the apple watch the iphone the ipad these are stagnating to some extent in the scale of upgrades that are offered year on year it's a way of apple being able to guarantee its shareholders that money ultimately if it can sign people up for subscriptions for these upgrades regardless of what they actually offer in them 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. I do remember hearing about that um, a little while ago, and it's gone quiet on that. But can you imagine that also, not just for individuals, but for families too? Can you imagine taking out a subscription that takes and covers your whole family with also the shared kind of device storage and Apple Music and everything as well that comes along with Apple One. I think that would be a winner. Um, and I think that you could scale it too, right? You could start off with maybe one device and one software package uh, and plus a couple of accessories to go with that or peripherals or, uh, and then you add to that bundle and it becomes cheaper as you add to it. I think, I think it would be a winner, but um, yeah. What would Apple care look like for that too? <laughs> yes. That's another one that would have to be built into it. Um, and I think the clearest sign that this is the direction that Apple is going in is actually all of their recycling efforts. Um, every year now, they're making more and more on their uh, the processing capabilities that they have for dealing with used devices, not always refurbishment. Um, they have robots that disassemble their devices, and they are actually reusing um, rare earth elements and components from their used devices um, in huge proportions now. Um, Apple devices are using... Uh, so it depends on the device, but some are using 100% uh, recycled magnets from previous Apple devices. So this definitely is also a little bit more of a sustainable direction to go in long term as well. I think it all it all builds in with the the long term plan here, and of course, it definitely would make them a little bit more money. Yeah, um, this is a, it's quite exciting to think about where this actually fits into the ecosystem and what the bigger plan might be, and that gives us, I think, some insight and some thinking about what what that might look like. And, and I guess for WWDC, this is probably going to be the flagship thing that gets announced. There's probably going to be a ton of stuff else out there. We've heard heard a few things of the grapevine. What have what have you heard, Hartley, that might also be coming up in WWDC in just a few weeks' time? Well, the things that we know always come at WWDC are Apple's software updates. So we're expecting Mac OS 14, iOS 17, iPad OS 17, uh, TV OS 17. Um, and a new version of the HomePod software as well. Um, but we'll hear about new developer kits. That's all the normal stuff. Uh, but there is usually, or not, not, not every year, but there is a peppering of uh, surprise hardware. And of course, the headset will be one of those. The other thing we are hearing a lot about is the new 15-inch MacBook Air model, um, mm. which will be analogous to the existing 13-inch model, effectively completely the same in terms of hardware, um, the same M2 chip from last year. Uh, but just with a bigger battery and a bigger display. Um, so that is the other the other hardware focus that I think we will see. But with the headset taking up so much stage time, I don't know how much time there'll be for any other surprises. It goes on for days though, right? They'll have to fill the time with something. Oh, yes. Well, we've got the initial keynote um, when we will actually get these things previewed and then dig into the detail over the next few days. Um, as someone that reports on Apple, that's always the most interesting thing is looking through all the all the fine print in the following days and really seeing uh, all the little details as they emerge and seeing what else you can uncover that Apple was perhaps trying to not mention so prominently. So one of the things perhaps this year will be sideloading apps and third-party app stores. Mm. If that isn't something that is put at the very forefront of what is actually announced during the keynote, that's definitely something to be digging through afterwards and finding out the details about, although Europe only for that one, it seems. Yeah, I can't see Apple really wanting to make a, a big song and dance about that. I think they might have been um, led to that one somewhat unwillingly, and it's something that they're going to have to do and not necessarily want to roll out or talk about too much in the rest of the world. So no M3 processes, you think? You think that we've got a little while to wait for those? 
Yes, so the M3 uh, chip isn't ready yet. It's based on a three nanometer production process, um, which is not reaching commercial production uh, on the sort of scale that Apple needs. I mean, Apple is one of the biggest um, uh, clients of these uh, chip fabrication companies in the world, just the, the sheer number of chips that it needs. It's not a small mm -hmm. undertaking to make a huge technical leap and provide the volume of chips that they actually require. Uh, so we are expecting the next big advancement to three nanometer to be at the end of this year, which kind of falls in line with in most years. We didn't last year, um, but most years we do get new Macs sort of around October time toward the end of the year. It looks like that will be the case. This 15 inch MacBook Air really would have made more sense to come last year alongside the M2 13 inch MacBook Air because they're the same model in different sizes one year apart. Um, so the timing is a little bit strange with that. Uh, but M3, there's a lot to be excited about with it because all of Apple's existing chips um, that are in its current devices, um, at least insofar as M-series chips and A-series chips, are based on a 5 nanometer process, which uh, even though M2, they sort of they said it was 4 nanometer, it's not really. It's an enhanced 5 nanometer. Um, mm. This is all quite technical, but in short, the, the jump from uh, 5 nanometer to 3 nanometer means you can fit so many more transistors on each individual chip, which leads to huge performance and efficiency improvements. So whether Apple leans more into giving these devices that have these next generation chips better battery life or considerably mm. better performance, or realistically a bit of both, um, this, these are, this is really what they have available to them. So I'm very much looking forward to M3. It will be the chip that a lot of people that are existing M1 users, I think will feel justifies the upgrade. I'm I'm in, I'm in exactly that camp. I'm an existing M1 user. M2 wasn't kind of enough for me to to jump onto that. But if what you're saying does turn out to to be the case, then having the choice or perhaps both of optimizing for ba extended battery life, but also extended performance, depending perhaps whether you're plugged in or not to a power source, I think that would be incredible uh, to be able to see that. Um, I just hope we get to see it maybe not at the end of this year, but by the next time I need to buy an iPad. iPad is a, is a going to be a little bit of a wait, unfortunately, it looks like. No iPads this year, I think. Um, so uh, I also am in the market for a new iPad, but we'll have to wait a little bit longer. Um, and when we do see the next generation iPad Pros early next year, I think there'll be a lot to look forward to with M3, uh, with a new design, and with the big thing will be OLED displays which I think is a really, really nice upgrade that a lot of people will be very excited for. One last thing then, Hartley, if I can okay. if I can tap your brain for this. Do you think that Apple would ever make a touchscreen MacBook? I am very surprised at the rumors that this is in the works. Um, I can't quite fathom the advantage of doing this, but the thing that tells me that they are doing this is the macOS Big Sur redesign. Mm. because the touch targets, they're not touch targets, they're for a cursor on a desktop operating system. And yet everything was moved and redesigned as though it was a touch target, mm. which would suggest that they are, they have basically already started to build in support for touch as an input mechanism. Um, just simple things like um, little sliders have been turned into sort of large um, toggles that you would expect to see on iOS. Um, a little bit like what you, the controversial system settings redesign. That looks like something that happened last year to accommodate touch input. So 
I, I can't see why you'd need it. Maybe it is just another selling point for when we really are reaching the technical edge of what the Mac will be able to do a few years down the line. And just it's another quality of life feature. If you want to reach up, you're maybe by that time, there will be a lot more iPad users that are used to just, you know, dragging apps around and that sort of thing. Um, so maybe it will just be something that, you know, an Apple Store employee can say, yes, you know, uh, now it has a touchscreen as well. But maybe it's yeah. not too much more than that. But I think it is coming. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting times that we live in now. I'm, I'm looking forward to WWDC and I'm looking forward to reading all about it at Macroom as well. Thank you so yes. much, Hartley, for joining me today. Uh, I really appreciate no, it. Thank you. Uh, have a good rest of your day. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed that interview, a first for this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and hit that bell to make sure you don't miss my next video. And on audio, be sure to hit follow or something like that to get my next show. I'm Saab Johal, and this channel is A+. Thanks for being here right at the end of this new format show that will appear every now and again. Let me know what you thought and drop me a comment. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers and go well.